welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, what a sweet introduction. That was really kind. Um, really excited to be here. Let me get a grid. First off, how is everybody's energy? We got It's 11.30 now. Some of you been here for an hour and a half. You got 30 minutes left in you, maybe? I'm very conflicted right now. I'm an internal processor, and I'm learning as I go through life. I'm probably more introverted than I thought. I love dialoguing with people and that kind of thing. Part of me wants to finish like at 11.45 so we can like get on our schedules and go to lunch. I, that would be my love language if the speaker did that for me. <laughs> if I have your permission, I'll go to 11.30. I have a lot of stuff that I really want to share. I'm going to try and keep it concise and not dogleg off for you. Um, but if you need to hop up, run to the bathroom, whatever it is, do your thing. I don't want you to feel trapped. I'm probably saying that more to myself. I feel trapped when I'm in a big room. It's when it keeps talking. Um, so again, my name is David Hayes. I'm the associate or an associate leader here. Really excited to be talking. Um, been thinking about this message, and it's been on my heart for a long time. And I just feel like, um, you know, just ready to shotgun blast all this information. I've just been sitting on it for a long time. Um, so I grew up. Um, just on a very personal note, this is like my territory, my neighborhood, my shopping center. Uh, I grew up in Shenandoah from the age of like third grade. Yeah, yeah, let's throw it up for Shenandoah. Everybody who's uh, from Shenandoah, let's get it up. Got some old timers, some guys from the neighborhood. I see you back there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. This is personal. This is real. So yeah, I grew up like, like man, I could like run to my house. Um, like right now, I could be there. My parents are here today. They still live there. And I just want to, I haven't been able to tell anybody this. I need to tell everybody what this shopping center means. So when I was in like third grade to middle school, I was like a BMX rat. I just love riding my bike, man. Like your bike's your freedom. I'm like, quit talking to me, dad. I'm gonna get on my bike, go hang out with my friends. And so that's what, um, I have a great relationship with my dad. I'm just kidding. I love you, dad. So that was just like the freedom piece, right? So you have a bike shop right here. It's called Capital Schwinn Cyclery, right? Has everybody seen that bike shop? Okay, that was a pretty cool bike shop growing up. Um, they sell Trek bicycles. They're um, a big brand. They're a clean shop. I think everyone in the shop wears like a matching uniform. They have like customer service. They like call you when your bike's ready. It's a really cool shop. Um, never went there in my life when I was a kid, like protested it. Because what we had growing up, this is probably, this is in the 90s, we had uh, the Bicycle Source. And that was across the street next to this, um, yeah, 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 Bicycle Source. Yeah, that's my people in the back right there. So Bicycle Source is next to Ruckus. Ruckus is a skate shop. Ruckus just had a better business model because they're still in business. I don't know when the Bicycle Source went out of business, but it was my first introduction to, like, culture, like real human beings. It probably took me in a bad direction for a while after getting influenced by this bike shop. So let me just paint the picture. Bicycle Source probably has never been cleaned in its whole life. Like, nobody had, like, cared for it like that. It was just, like, a, a ratty, ratty place. Um, m it was hit or miss if the person there was going to be rude to you and, like, uh, like kind of a jerk, actually, to tell you your question was dumb and you should get out of their store, or if you're going to get, like, amazing customer service and this guy was going to love you. Um, so the Bicycle Source was awesome. My favorite part, where they put their mechanics, they literally had a closet that they knocked a wall out that ran the length of their building. So when you would, like, go check on how your bike was, if it's getting fixed, you had to, like, 
you walk to the side of the store, they had like a half door, and you would like look down the road and like see how your bike was doing. And um, the guy who worked back there, I think he was like actually a wizard. His name was like Merlin. He had dreadlocks and he like loved kids. And he would like, man, you're like such a bum little kid. No money. Let me get your like flat tire fixed for you. So that was my place. If you go into Capital Cycler and buy anything, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just kidding. Um, this is my neighborhood. If anybody gives you any trouble around here, tell me you know Dave. They let you slide. You'll be cool. Um, so, yeah, this is my hood. It's really cool. We've been here for about five weeks now, and I got skin in the game on this place, and it means a lot. So I just want to – it's personal. It's real personal here. Um, and I'm in Baton Rouge, like, for this church. And, like, let me clarify that. Like, I have roots here. I grew up here. Again, my parents are – that's my, my lifeblood. But, like, when I wake up in the morning, outside of growing my family and, you know, doing things for work, that kind of thing, I'm just thinking about this place. I'm like, man, I have, we have dreams for it. Um, again, I've known Landon Stacey for going on like 15 years now. We've been doing ministry for the better part of that. Uh, together, we do family life. And this is our dream. This is our baby. Um, we want to set this thing up for the, for the long haul. And so that's what's going to tee up what I want to talk to uh, you guys about today. Um, I want to talk to you about covenant relationships. And I want to talk to you about the value of being somebody who... Um, is a part of covenant relationships, but also promotes them, grows them. And um, yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna unpack that thing today. Um, so covenant can mean a lot of different things. I'm not gonna spend too much time defining it right now. It's gonna kind of as we go through it, we'll get a better understanding of what I'm talking about. Um, two main slogans for me when I think about covenant and when I think about this conversation. Uh, the first one is. Um, I'm not trying to find my purpose. I'm trying to find my people or to put that in the positive. When I find my people, I'm going to find my purpose, right? I think in North America, it's, it's really easy. We're accidentally taught that you need to go for your occupation or your vocation, or you, if, if you get that right job opportunity, whatever it is, that always has to be the number one priority, especially for guys. And there is a lot of value and a lot of truth in that in, in terms of that's important for a man to go for. It's important for a woman to go for. But I would argue this, in the context of family and the context of thinking about the relationships around you and who you're building with, that topic becomes very rich, what your purpose is, because then it starts serving people around you. The other slogan that I really like that encapsulates this one um, is, I can go faster by myself, I can go further with my family. I thought I invented that slogan. I got told on Instagram last night that that's like an ancient African proverb, and either I'm that wise and I carry like an ancient prophet wisdom or I just plagiarized somebody that I heard about a long time ago. I'm going to go with the, uh, with the first one. Um, so yeah, but that really, that, that hit, hit so much home for me. I've spent most of my adult life single. Um, I've been married for two years. Um, my beautiful wife Amber's here. She, she sang tonight. Yeah, let's give it up for Amber. I love it. That was my experience with Amber tonight. She went 10, minute longer, 10 minutes longer than she was supposed to while she was talking. I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> She's the external processor in the family. I'm the internal processor. So our, our funny dynamic is that I'm always ready to stop talking and like go be by myself or something like that. And she's like, let's hang out. Let's keep talking about this. It's awesome. So I'm really growing right now. She's changing me. And I'll tell you this. She's always right. Um, so again, Back to that slogan, I can go faster by myself, but further with family. I'm used to the efficiency of being a single guy. I mean, I could hit Home Depot 
Bed Bath & Beyond. Actually, you know what I could do? This is what I could do. I could get grocery shopping, new clothes, stuff for my house, stuff for my truck, all from the same store. <laughs> that's what I could do if I'm a single guy. That's efficiency, right? Well, and that, that's kind of like built into a lot of our culture as well. Well, when you zoom out, man, that's good for a short season. But long term, who are you leaning on? Who's speaking into your life? Who are the relationships that you're building? That's going to be what really catapults us into what we want to build as a group. So those are my two slogans. Um, I love them. Um, the verse that I want to lean on today is Ruth 116. Can we get that up on the board? All right. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I go. And where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Man, this whole verse deserves a full sermon, just to be honest, unpacking it. Um, I'm just going to skip to the end on this one. Um, Ruth was making this sentiment. She was expressing this sentiment towards her, uh, her mother-in-law named Naomi. Um, it was not, I would say this, when Ruth is saying this to Naomi, Ruth has options. She, could, she, had, she had other places she could go. Ruth is tethering herself to her mother-in-law and just making, this is a covenant. Like, this is what a covenant looks like. That's it. It's no more complicated than that. Ruth is, is tying herself, and what happens is, I'll just skip to the end of this story, God shows up in this amazing way and flips this whole tragic story upside down. He blesses Ruth, right? And then Ruth becomes a blessing to everyone around her. Like, who just, people just show up in the story. They get pulled into it, and their life gets better, and God just puts the whole thing on steroids. And so that's my argument today. That's my, I'm not arguing with anybody. That's my proposition today is that, um, that when, we, when we build a foundation, and we're all, I'm, I'm still throwing meat on this thing. I'm still looking for language for it, right? When we, when we intentionally make the foundation of our lives covenant relationships and we decide to be covenant building, covenant stewarding, covenant growing people, God just likes that. That's how he is, and he blesses that. He lands on top of that, and he wants to build on people who are like that because that's his nature. Funniest thing about covenant, covenant always involves sacrifice. Here's where I think it's funny. I was, like, in my truck laughing about this this morning. Man, God got the short end of the stick on every covenant he ever made with the humans. <laughs> like, think about that. Like, you just can't bring that much to the table that's, like, makes it worth God's while. So, <laughs> so everybody can breathe. You're going to screw up in covenant. People are going to disappoint you. It's just life. It's how it works. So we're talking today about effort and intention, right? Um, cool. So I'm going to pray over this real quick that we're going to be covenant-making people, and then I'm going to hop into some stuff. Papa God, thank you for your intention towards us to build the structure of covenant and to relate to us in relationship. Um, thanks that you like to build things that last and go from generation to generation. Uh, we want that aspect of your nature. So I pray right now that there would just be a spirit of revelation in this room for the time that we have today. Um, you would just, man, really steward it so well that we would leave here changed. We would leave here with, uh, with just clarity on this topic, with just vision on this topic. Um, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, good deal. So coming into um, this new church, again, we're about five weeks in. I uh, was talking to Stacy about this a lot. Man, I just, my, I have such a heart for everyone to know where we came from. Um, I feel this obligation to always remind people of what the beginnings were, and I like that. I'm going to run with that, I think, the rest of my life. It's just a topic that I care about. So I want to run through some of our history, um, and the main reason for that is if you don't know where you came from, it's tough to know where you're going, right? And so I want to give us, like, such a head start, such an easy chance to know what we're aiming for here. Um, and so uh, 
let's kind of skip back to 2011, and uh, we'll start off there. I could go back to, like, I guess 1985, but I'll, I'll skip, like, a few decades. Um, 2011, I was finishing up, uh, I had just finished up college at LSU. This is end of 2010. Um, I was managing a bike shop, which is funny. This place must have really influenced me. I was managing a bike shop off of Government Street that made this bike shop look like a Nissan dealership. It was, like, super clean. The place I was in was, like, really ratty. I was really enjoying life. I was racing, um, racing road bikes and mountain bikes and just living really free. I loved it. Um, my best friends at the time were Landon and Stacy. They had, we, we were, we met as friends before they were married and um, kind of rooted around Baton Rouge. I was like their third wheel kind of buddy for a while. And so they ended up finishing college. They're a little bit older than me. They moved to Seattle where uh, Stacy has some family roots. And the kind of group sentiment between us three at the time was, let's go see some of the world. Let's go see what else is happening. While we have this time, while we have this kind of freedom, we could just feel there was a good season for it. So they've got a few years head start on me. Um, around 2011, I start freeing up from school, start hitting the topic with them about when to move up. So they actually invite me to, uh, to move up. And um, when I get up there, well, let me back up too. I had heard some really cool stuff they were experiencing. They were a part of a ministry uh, in Seattle that for me, I'd never heard of anything like it. They were into like revival. They were into praying for people, getting people healed. To me, it's like definitely sounded very extreme. Um, and so it was enough of like a question mark in my head of like, what is that, man? I want to go check that out. So I moved up to Seattle in 2011 with Landon and Stacy. Um, get up there. They're involved in this really fun, radical, sweet little community. Um, and sweet in the sense that there was so much heart behind it. Um, <clears throat> I've got actually got some, some people from that church here. If you all raise your hand. Got some in the back. Hey, Tiffany. We've got some people who came in from town from our church. Uh, it's called Church of the Undignified. It was like our version of punk rock in a revival atmosphere. <laughs> um, trying to make it edgy. Um, so, yeah, that was 2011. At this point, it was really funny for me merging back in with Landon and Stacy. They've been full-time running at this for a couple of years. They're all about ministry, Jesus, getting people healed. Jesus is probably like 10% of my life at this time. Landon was talking way too much about God. Uh, we were trying to, we had been friends from a distance for a long time, still best friends, heart-to-heart connection, but getting back involved with Landon and Stacey was really funny because, like, I just got bored. I was like, man, I'd love to talk about anything other than Jesus for 12 hours. So I had to kind of expand my capacity, but semi-joking saying that, Landon is a big Jesus nerd. He's just always kind of been a church kid. Everybody could see it. Um, so... So over the course of like six months, I actually just throw myself into this environment in Seattle where, um, man, we're just going to take the Bible at face value. I'm not looking for context first. I'm just going to read like, like, okay, man, like they did miracles. Let's go try and do miracles, right? Um, like what else is happening? What could, we, what, what could we be doing? Like I think Landon was like, they met a guy without a thumb and they prayed for his thumb to grow out. I was like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> So, like, this whole thing's blowing my mind. Um, So we actually get involved. There's a whole wing of Christianity that is very uh, conference-based, healing, they use the word revival a lot. Um, If you're you're familiar with that, great. If not, I wasn't either. Revival to me conjured up, like, somebody in the Great Depression had a tent in the back of their truck, and they would go, like, yell at people about Jesus. Like, I don't know, that's, that's all I knew about what a revival was. 
Well, you've actually got a wing of Christianity like today. It's happening right now. And they're pursuing this thing called revival. And it's just asking for more of God's presence. And what it looks like is what we did during worship. They just have ministries that are full-time based around that. And it was awesome. We got like sucked into this wing of Christianity. So Landon and Stacey were really um, moving around in this and that we're in the Northwest, like Landon's getting asked to go speak. He would bring us along to be like his ministry team. Um, we were seeing people get healed. We were definitely like, I recognize we'd pray for people and like, they would be like touched. Like people are just like, they just, everybody wants somebody to say it's possible. So when you meet people and they're just without a doubt, they're like, God's this good. You're going to get healed. It doesn't come off as arrogance when the people are just convicted. So there's like this youthful, like, man, we just believe what God said is true. So we're going to go stand up in front of 200 people and just like declare it. And it was awesome. And like, um, it really impacted me. Um, it would definitely, I think my vision for the time was that we were going to be like a gypsy, um, trying to see miracle band, right? Just kind of jumping around. And we didn't have a ton of vision, just to be honest. It was just cool stuff's happening with God. We had some favor. So we're just, um, we're just following it. So, um, during this time, Landon went down to go um, to go to a healing conference about nine hours south of Seattle. And while Landon's there, he gets to get in front in a very small setting, like a handful of, of, of people are in front of a major leader in this revival movement. The guy is like number two in charge of like a 15,000 person church. His name is Chris Volaton. He's impacted us hugely. He's, he's, we consider him a father figure. We read his books. We get fathered by him. Um, He's what we like most about him is just how he leads his life. It's really interesting. He he's very transparent with what his marriage is like, what his kids are doing, and that was so attractive to us. We're like, man, anybody can grab a microphone and have a platform. What does it look like when you're like pouring cereal on a Tuesday for your kids? Like, are you a nice guy? And not just a nice guy, like what's your thought process? And so that was so attractive to us. And this guy just lived on his sleeve, just like trying to always make everything around him better, um, including himself. So Landon gets this like freak opportunity to get in a room with this guy with like something like this size room. Um, and Chris is up there. He's talking. He's doing a Q&A. Somebody asks Chris what he would attribute all of his success in ministry and life, just the fruit, the good stuff on his life. What does he attribute that to? And Chris's answer was really funny. And again, Landon's somewhere in the room listening to this. He says that he had intentionally gone into relationship with his like with three, like, I don't know if you use the word best friends, but just three men in his life who he was doing ministry with, he went into covenant with them and their families. And he said that everything you see today, uh, this is him speaking, was built out of that network of this that he built, that Ruth built. He built that with, like, three families, and they're just, like, tethered together. So Landon hears this. I'm sure Landon was super disappointed. It's not like a, the fun answer he was looking for. Like, what makes your life work? And he was going to have some, like, tip on, like, how to pray for people better. Or, like, uh, you, pray, you fast this many days on Tuesday. You fast three hours on Tuesdays, and then somebody's going to get healed. Landon's looking for, like, strategy. And you have somebody rifle back at you long-term relationship advice. And, man, that's just not that's it's it's awesome it's just not like it wasn't like as edgy as we were kind of looking for at that time so in a good way this mess landing up so landon brings that back to seattle after the conference is done and i was living in landon's basement at the time um joke there is they let me out for sunlight and food and water like every two weeks i resent that joke it's every two days at least they were very kind when i lived in their basement 
to not give them a hard time. Just kidding. So it was really fun living with my best friend in his house. They had, I think y'all just had hope at this time, just one daughter. Um, Stacy was kind enough to, to let me keep palling around with Landon while they're married. And one, so Landon gets back from this trip and he, we're meeting in the kitchen one night, and I think Landon's just in his boxers. There's no lights in the kitchen. I think Landon was hiding from Stacy. He was supposed to be doing something with the dishes or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I was like, why are we whispering? He's like, shh, just whisper, shh. I'm like, okay. Like, I probably wasn't smart enough to like realize how we didn't have to. Be. He's definitely hiding. So, Landon asks me. He's like, man, like, look, I, we've, we've, we've got to. We've got to do something about this covenant thing. Chris talked about it. I don't know what he's talking about. It seems worth our time. It seems, it seems to be a big enough question. The carrot at the end, this guy's life is amazing. For this guy to say that covenant is important, we've got to go figure that out. And so we were at the, the, on the cusp, too, of like about to kind of launch out of Seattle, I think. Um, Landon Stacy were getting invitations. Like the mate, this is gonna sound really funny. Is I gotta tell you guys this: the mayor of Fresno heard his wife heard Landon speak, and wanted to like officially. I don't know if she wanted to put you on the in government in on in Fresno. <laughs> this is real, or like get him to come do ministry officially. Remember, Landon told me this, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, sounds like a cult. Like I don't know. I'm like I was trying to Google the lady and find out if she was real. So. They're getting insane job offers, like real stuff. I think there's a group in Washington, D.C. that does ministry on Capitol Hill, and they have this super rich ministry where they, man, they're bringing revival to the lawmakers, decision makers, and they're kind of headhunting Landon. So it's kind of starting to posture up like they could be anywhere at any time. Um, Man, I could just feel I was starting to get ready to get out of Seattle. I could have been in Vancouver next as easy as I could have been back here. I just knew I was about to shift. And so right at this time, Landon brings this concept of covenant back. And he's like, man, I think we need to go into covenant together. And I was single at the time, hadn't met Amber yet. But he's like, whatever you do with your family, I think my family will be bound to your family. And, um, man, I had no idea what that meant. Kind of knew what the Old Testament said about covenant. I think I made a joke about, like, 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 do we need to, like, kill something? It's like, there's a neighborhood cat that I've seen. I'll go get that cat. And we'll make this covenant right now. And there's also something in covenant in the Old Testament about like you had to put your hand underneath the guy's thigh. This is like a big, I was like just, I had so much material. I was like, give me your thigh. I'm going to get that thing. Let's make this covenant. So anyways, I could feel it. Like I'm definitely vibing with Landon. I think I I was like crying a little bit. It was like impactful. I'm like, man, yes, let's go into covenant. This is awesome. Um, No idea what this means. Right around this time, Stacy starts having dreams out of nowhere. Stacy was ready to stay away from Baton Rouge. Not just, she was fine to go move and do whatever was next. Stacy starts having dreams about moving back to Baton Rouge. She holds on to it for days or at least weeks, maybe, because she's scared to bring it up. Like we're gonna laugh at her because we're like, man, we got like a ticket to like stay on the West Coast. Like let's keep doing it. Well, Stacy finally kind of reveals these dreams to Landon, and Landon's starting to get rocked by God, too, in this pull back to Baton Rouge. And it's like God just, like, reminding us of what our heart's desire is for the city. So, um, man, we're like, let's put this thing to the test. Let's see if we can bind our families together, go live out a dream and build a church together, and let's just see what God does, man. Like, like let's just see what happens. So, fast forward five weeks ago, uh, it's the Saturday before we have our first Sunday 
here at church. We had been working all week on and off. I know Stacy and I were up here to like, I think it was like one o'clock in the morning a few nights. I was exhausted. Everybody's been like working really hard on this place. My dad was up here. Like everybody's like kind of in the mix. It was awesome. Well, Saturday comes and I'm out, out front. It's raining. I'm walk, watching Paul Brown and this guy we work with, Ricky Hanno, are in a man lift. Like they're arguing with each other and putting a sign up. It's like <laughs> such a funny dynamic. So they're putting a sign up, the Cedar House sign that's up there. And I'm just getting weepy. And I'm like, man, I, I must just be exhausted. I don't know what this is. I can just kind of feel my heart getting tugged on a little bit. Like it wasn't anything massive. So I decide to cut out... Um, early evening on Saturday to get some rest before our big first Sunday. And man, I get in the car, man. As soon as I start heading down Jones Creek, um, I'm just ugly crying. I'm just getting hit with this thing. and I'm shaking. And what it is, is I just keep telling God, I'm like, man, like you're so real. Like, man, like I heard all this stuff was real. And here you are, we're, we're in a building. Like, how did this happen? I feel like I blinked. It's been a grind for three to four years doing this church thing. And we did, we've done home churches. We've done the Radisson. Y'all with that? We were at New Life at 6 o'clock at night or 4 o'clock at night. And it's all fantastic. It's just our process. I'm like, how did we get here? We have this tangible building now. And we're not, like, stressed out, pressing to make this thing happen. Um we didn't have to launch like a viral marketing campaign. I love, we're going to end up doing more marketing down the road. So it's not to devalue that. But what I'm saying is we didn't feel permission as a leadership group to put the gas pedal on and flex like our natural favor, our natural gathering ability, like through social media, through marketing. We just didn't feel permission to go about that the first few years of the church. We felt like God was like blowing on this kind of little kindle and God wanted to really get this thing smoldering. And he wanted to build, you ever build a fire the wrong way? oh, it sucks. Like, it just burns for a little bit, and then it doesn't keep going. But, man, have you ever, like, had hot coals that are still there the next morning you cook breakfast on when you go camping? That's the analogy that I keep thinking about. Like, God wanted to really do this thing with intentionality. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm driving home, and I'm just rocked. I'm like, man, you're so good, God. Like, what you said is true. This place, to me, is as much, and for us, is as much a miracle as somebody getting cured of cancer. I'm just going to be honest. And here's what I'm realizing. Um, love, lo- love is a response to something. Like you can't make yourself turn passion on. You ever tried? It's very tough. So I just felt so fortunate to be in a spot where God had like maneuvered me through life where like my only response was to just be so thankful and like blown away by what he had done. Just like passionately like, oh my gosh, this is real. So um, I think two main things on the sign, and this is, kind of going to go back to the covenant and like the building the foundation the sign has this tagline it's our it's our um it's our core value i'm sorry we have core values it's our mission statement is that correct (laughs) yeah that'll work (laughs) built for his presence right and i've been thinking about i see this on all of our t-shirts all of our marketing um landon stacy do such a good job putting language on things that are real like our core values are really who we are they're not like just cool stuff we thought up. Like, it's, it's really who we are. We're going to get to unpack them over the next years. Built for His Presence has two cool meetings. The first one is the most, like, one-dimensional. We build Sundays. We build midweek services. We build midweek activities. We build kids' church in a way with, that has intentionality and excellence so that God can show up and be Himself. It's built for His presence. So we, we do worship. Amber, like, 
gets the team together and they practice and they drill this thing, but then they open it up and they give God some room to breathe, right? What is God saying in the room right now? What, is, what does he really want to do? So that's where we're built for his presence, right? Here's the more fun meeting. This is the long game. We're building covenant relationships within this house that he can rest on for the long term. Because guess what? I want to be up here when I'm 75. This is great. I mean, I'd, I'd, it'd be great to have a little spike. We have more people come in the doors. But if I want to do it in a way that's like so God's strategizing it and God's hand is involved with it, that this long game gets shown over the course to where my kids, my grandkids, everybody gets to see this thing and they can be like, man, like, pop, they started building something so long ago. We get to take part in it like, you know, I just want that. It's such a dream of this house, right? And it's not, I promise you this, guys, this is a fundamental of how God works. It's not just for this church. And we'll never be self-absorbed people. We are just refuse to let that happen. This is for whatever else you're a part of, whether it's business, ministry, family. This is just how God does stuff. God doesn't have a short game like bone in his body. Everything he does, like, man, watch these promises of God in the Old Testament and how they came true generations later. And it's like one sentence was mentioned about the promise. And, like, this crazy thing happens. And, like, man, they, they pull out the implications of it. It's like God remembered this sentence that he said one time in the Bible, and he made it happen hundreds of years later. Like, that's his DNA. So how do we start thinking like that? How do we start moving like that? Um, <laughs> Stacy coined this awesome phrase. I want to have hope, not expectation. So just what I mean by that is I don't want to start building in everybody false expectation. Like tomorrow we're going to walk out the door and like we got covenant and this whole thing's happening like right now. Let's build hopeful mentalities, hopeful internal worlds that are looking for this everywhere we go so that it ends up being a part of our DNA and we end up getting to see the fruit of it. Um, so we'll hit, I'm going to hit one more thing and then I want to go through a couple of keys and then I'll close it out. We're going to be like right on time. So happy about that. Um, we set up the Amber drafted in with me to be part of the Hayes family. The Snows drafted in to, to build the covenant that just, you know, was the, the initial covenant here. We set that up to be a tree. And the, the mentality there is we want you to come get shade from that relationship and we want you to eat the fruit of that relationship. It's, it's not for us, and it's not just to say we have a cool thing going on. It really is to get our city fed and to give our city just that shade. That, that analogy just really keeps me moving, in the, keeps me postured in the right direction. And so we got a lot of people in here who are your business owners, you, you're, you have your own ministries, your own nonprofits, and you're already doing this. So I would just say, like, keep going. Like, keep throwing fuel on that fire. Keep making decisions to benefit everyone around you. It's so good. So let's hit three keys, and then we'll close it out. I want you to leave with something really tangible. Keys to building covenant. Key one is going to be pursue. I love this one. You can't be on your heels waiting for covenant. doesn't work like that. you got to start to at least pick up, like, it's something on your agenda. I'll give you an example. I'm with my man Phil on vacation two weeks ago. So um, Philip is my brother-in-law. His wife is Emily. That's Amber's twin sister. We took our families to the beach. I kept finding myself in conversations with Phil and we're just like talking about stuff we want to have happen in life. Phil's like a, a positive guy. He owns his own business. And Phil's like just kind of geeking out on something about life. He's like, yeah, man, I just want to build this business so that people come in and they work for me and they're blessed. They grow. Like they get to find their purpose. Like he's not using that exact language, but that's like what he's expressing. And I'm like, we're driving from Florida, I think at this point. I'm like, 
I'm like, bro, I want the same thing. Like, like pound it. <laughs> we're starting to build covenant. Like, we're, it's just happening. I'm not like, I don't have to like square him up and say, man, Phil, would you go to covenant with me? Like, that's great. But sometimes it just happens naturally. It's side to side. And what it is is this. I'm looking for people who have the same values as me. And if my values always have at the root and that they're going to serve everyone around me, I'm a covenant-making person. So same thing at work. I've got a guy that is very difficult to work with. That I, He's a coworker of mine. I disagree with about 80% of what he does. 20% for some reason, man, we're on the same page. We decided that the people we manage, we both manage like 100-plus people indirectly or, or directly sometimes, like, man, we're not going to let anybody fall through the cracks. We're going to check in on these guys' home lives. When people start falling off, we're going to ask how their marriage is. If they have a death in the family, we're going to be a really good job about making sure they're getting covered. So, like, I'm like, pound it. Like, we're, we're on the same page with this one. We're building covenant. We're going to take care of people. So pursue is really important. That's going to put you in a posture. It's going to put us in a posture where we're not waiting for, I don't want this story that I have with Landon Stacy to confuse anyone that you just wait and it walks in the door. No, man, you start looking for people who share your values because here's what happens. Covenant and all other, I'm sure when we go to the Ruth, if you went and looked back in Ruth's life, there was a high amount of accountability. Like I'm sure there was times when she was with Naomi where their, their relationship got put to the test and somebody had to remind the other person that we're in covenant and this is who you said you were going to be. And accountability is the biggest deal. So when I'm with Phil and I'm not doing a good job taking care of other people around me, maybe I'm a little bit conceited, maybe I'm a little bit selfish, Phil's going to do a really good job reminding me who I am. Like, no, man, you're a covenant-making dude and you said you want to take care of everybody around you, man. I'm sorry, you don't get the right to act like that. Hopefully I don't come to that. Hopefully I hold on my end of the bargain and we have really good conversations. But that's what I think accountability looks like. Okay, second bullet. Get feedback on big decisions. I'm going to say this in the way that I actually want to say it. If you go on a covenant, you've lost the right to make decisions by yourself. Oh my gosh, this has been so tough, tough for me. Um, you've got to start bringing in the people who you have accountability with. The people who you've recognized you share their character and they share yours. They have to have an open door into your life because if not, you're going to be arrogant or you're going to just make really bad decisions. What happens is this. It happens, it happens as kids or as an adults. When you live in your head, it's literally, it's fantasy. When you start verbalizing your plans, your dreams, your hopes, one of two things is going to happen with people you trust. Again, I'm clarifying this. is with people you trust. People are going to start to either speak into you when you kind of tell them what you're thinking and tell you, hey, that sounds a little off. Maybe, have you thought about this? Maybe ask you good questions. Or what they're going to tell you is, that sounds awesome. I'm in agreement with you on that. How can I help? Those are the two great, it's just feedback, man. That's such a big deal. So um, I've done this poorly. I've literally been involved with people for like, I was in a school environment for six months one time, and I felt God shifting me out of that, that I needed to quit this school and go, go to a job. And it was, the funny thing is, the decision was right. I needed to make that decision. I didn't even think to tell the people that I was in school with. This is awful. And I told them like three days before I left, and they were like crying. And they were like, what are you doing? My leader took me aside and put his arm around me. He's like, bro, I just feel bad for you that you could have had a whole family be a part of this decision and just be agreeable with you. Ask you if you need anything. You don't have to run this race alone. It took me getting fathered by someone to realize like, man, I don't I need to like get other people involved when I do this stuff, right? Okay, and so the final one, prioritize covenant and prayer life. And again, let me say it the way I really want to say it. If God's not talking to you, start talking to God about something he wants to talk about. I love that quote. That gets me so happy because I'll get super introspective when I feel like God's not talking to me or my prayer life's kind of dry, whatever it is. 
pick the most basic fundamental of Christianity and just start thanking God for it, and God comes through. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. God can talk to you about sacrifice all day long. God wants to meet you and talk to you about that. Now, as far as covenant goes, if, if what, what I'm proposing is true, God is a covenant-making God, and this is his DNA. If you start talking to God, be like, I mean, like either, God, I don't know what covenant is, but I want to try it. <laughs> I, wa- I want whatever this fruit is, whatever this thing that's happening, I want that. Or, hey, God, I've gone into covenant before, and I got really burned. Like, I need protection. I need help navigating this. Whatever it looks like, just take those, we're taking those questions to him, and um, he's going to start talking to you. Again, I, this is my testimony. We decided to go into covenant on a kitchen on a Tuesday night at 11 o'clock, and I'm telling you, like, a few days later, like, Stacy starts having dreams that literally shifted where we went. So I say that as encouragement. Like, God shows up. God follows. He's, like, looking for people who are asking this question how can I be a covenant-making person? And um, how can I build relationships that serve and protect everyone around me? Okay, 12.05. I went five minutes over. Um, everybody, let's stand up. I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to break. Thanks so much for coming to Cedar House Church today. Really appreciate it. Really getting to see God do cool stuff together. Um, yeah, Father God, thank you for the invention of covenant. Thank you that you bound yourself to human beings who didn't bring as much to the table as you did, and you still thought that was a good idea. So we just declare as a group, we want to model our life, model our value systems just like you, and that we're going to be covenant-making in our relationships um, across the board. Um, And I pray, uh, yeah, I just pray everyone here would be blessed with favor to find really good covenant relationships, to find the ones that you have planned. Um, Yeah, so I just bless this group with, like, safety, protection, just a fantastic week. Um, Yeah, pray that in your name. Amen. All right, Lana's going to come close it out. Thanks, guys. How about Dave Hayes? Woo! Dave wants to talk to all of you for 45 minutes after church, so go ask him as many questions as possible. He's going to be up here. Now, hey, Wednesday night, first worship room. Thursday night, Nourish. Um, next Sunday is Father's Day. So I just want to announce those things. Okay, you're done. You can leave. Goodbye. <laughs> Tell somebody, hey, that you don't know. Give somebody a high five. Bless you guys. Thanks for coming. Visit cedarhousechurch.com.